The Fend, brought to you by George's Fine Meats in Cherrybrook. Yeah, hello and welcome to the Fan Proudly brought to you by George's Fine Meats. Cherry Brook Horsey with you alongside rugby league legend Gary Jack. Uh, Gas, how are you? Good, thanks, Horsey. What a weekend of footy! It was such a oh, it's a great footy right across the park. So I love I love this time of year. I love I love spring. I love that when the the sun's out that you can smell the flowers. It's just a real exhilarating time to play footy and watch it. Yeah, we're going to talk about some of the big issues from week one of the NRL finals. It was a cracking weekend, some uh, surprise results, but also plenty of explosive topics, which we'll get to and also assess uh, this week's semi-finals, Parramatta versus Canberra, and of course, the Rabbitohs versus the Sharks, another couple of crackers that'll attract sellout crowds, I'm certain of that. Let's kick it off, though, Jimmy, with the, the big talking point, which is a player's laying down to get penalties. I think I know the answer to it. It's been going on for a while. What did you think from the footy you watched on the weekend? Yeah, look, it's nothing new. Um, it, it just, you know, it was such an intense game. Players laying down. Well, players, Latrell let the, let, the, let the genie out of the bottle because he just refused to, to play the ball. He just sat there and put the ball on the ground and it overrode the referee. The referee looked at him and he knew he'd been hit. The referee was going to do nothing about it. And the bunker stepped in, and they got the penalty. So once he'd done that, um, the same thing happened again. Uh, so players are definitely aware of the influence of the bunker. They can say they're not laying down, but they know that the referee is not running the game. It's the bunker that's running the game. And uh, I think it sets a really dangerous precedence for the game uh, by taking the power off the referee. I think the referee have to, has to have sole discretion. Uh, not the bunker, because you're going to see stop-start games now. If they don't do something about it for the remainder of the season, and it's going to, it could certainly determine the winner of the competition. Yeah, unless you've been living on Mars, what we're talking about here is the Rabbitohs-Roosters match, which saw seven players sin bin. We saw a stack of penalties where players, as you said, Jimmy, were, were waiting for the bunker to intervene, which is part of the rules. So there's an argument the players are doing nothing wrong. They're out there to win the game, and if they think they've taken a shot to the head, then why would you? You know, not try and get the bunker to rule on it. If the referees have missed it, mm. just hold your ground and wait for the bunker to come yeah. in and say, you know what, yeah, he has been clipped. But there's another argument, of course, which league lovers uh, subscribe to, which is it's just bad for the game. It's a bad look. We used to laugh at soccer, who used to do it all the time. They still do it, obviously, the theatrics to get a penalty. Mm. And now rugby league players are doing it. And Latrell Mitchell didn't shy away from the fact the other day. He said, look, I don't... I didn't lie down. He's technically right. He didn't lay down. He actually got to his knees mm. and waited for the bunker. That's what he did. Mm. He waited for the bunker. Mm. My answer to this, because you're right, because this is going to cause huge problems, and we knew it would, mm. going into these bigger games in a grand final, if there's any sort of knock to the head, you're going to have players staying down waiting for the bunker. My, my solution, and it has been aired elsewhere as well, is if someone is slow to play the ball, the referee gets his teammate to play the ball five metres to his left or right, which is what happened back yes. when you played. And yes. then we play on, the game rolls on. Yes. I don't know why we can't do that, because what is happening now, anyone who's trying to get a penalty just stays there, 
And of course, the Barker's going to look at the replay. Oh, yes, there was a little bit of contact with the face. That's a penalty. And that just encourages more and more milking. Yeah, I, I can't believe they don't. Look, I remember back in the 80s when, 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 when I used to, well, I wouldn't say lay down, but anyway, if I got injured with the ball, um, in State of Origin, sort of started from Steve Mortimer. Uh, they have a, we'd have a call called seven or six, whatever it might have been, and you wait for the other guys to get back on side. Then the, the league soon realised that, OK, we need to speed the game up, so they took the ball off whoever was injured and gave it to someone else to play. And that rule's been in play for you know, 20 or 30 years, but it seems to have gone out the window now. Um, so I think they should bring it back in. I think you're 100% correct. It should, they should just, OK, if someone says injured... You pick up the ball and play it straight away, straight away, play the ball so play continues. Because um, because when Tom the Bunk gets involved, you can guarantee it's, it's 9 out of 10 that it's going to be a penalty. Um, that rule was put in place to keep the keep play moving on. It should be brought back into play because... Um, I don't like what I'm seeing. I think it's a good rule that you, that you mentioned. Because it's not just the penalties, Jimmy. It's also the, the time-wasting. It's just so stop-start. And on the weekend, that game went for two hours. Two hours and ten minutes. Two hours and ten minutes because of all the stoppages and all the bunker intervention. Now, we could easily say, let's just make a rule where the bunker can't intervene. If the referees and touch charges have missed the incident, we just play on, it's bad luck, yeah. and the judiciary will pick them up later. I think you could go with that. You'd have to get the broadcasters to play ball because you imagine... Could you imagine a high shot like Tedesco copped from Tom Burgess and the referee says, no, nah, no, nah, miss that, let's play on, and then it comes up on the big screen and it'd just be, it'd be murder. It'd be mm. fans jumping the fence trying to get Ashley Klein. So mm. you'd have to get the broadcasters to say, We're not, we won't show a replay of the, mm. the offending tackle. Mm. So mm. It's, it's not as easy as it seems. And, and I was at the Parramatta Penrith game and Will Penasini copped a real nasty head knock, which was missed. No one picked it up except for the bunker. Mm. And they came back two or three tackles later to penalise Penrith, and it was a justified penalty because Penasini had to go off for HIA. He certainly got clocked by Taylor May, who got 10 minutes in the bin. So it's, there's no easy answer, but I think we could start by doing that. If, if a player can't play the ball, get a teammate to play it five metres away. And then, you'll, then you won't see many players hanging around no. because they'll be, left on the, they'll be left in the cold. Play, play continues on. Yep. It's, it's the stoppages. And, and the trail hit the nail on the head. He just knew that they had to wait for them to come back because he wasn't going to play the ball. He was just waiting. So we need to give the power back to the referee, give the power back to the touch judges. They're the ones that are in control of the game. And you're right there, if the player does get clocked and it gets missed, it gets picked up by the judiciary, and um, you know, then the player gets cited and suspended from there. You know, apart from what happened to James Tedesco, like I can't believe that, that the referee, Ashley Klein, did not see James Tedesco get hit. Um, and, and we'll, we'll play on for that. The inconsistencies like that we, we can't have. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, certainly with, with the play, I'm, I'm happy with that. I think it's a good rule. Yeah, and the other thing is, with the, if we say no more bunker intervention, then it might, it might make the referees and touch judges look that little bit harder at the tackles because right now they know if yeah. they miss something, the bunker will pick it up yeah. and yeah. the bunker will be in the area saying, hey, there was a high shot there. Hmm. So if we take the bunker out of it, that may make Klein, I don't mean to pick on him, but other referees, touch judges, lift their game, yeah. especially that Parramatta-Penrith game. Someone should have picked up that Penasini one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think um, it, it certainly needs to be discussed at the end of the season and 
It's just not a good. It's not a good look, mate. All the stoppages, the time, the game dragging on, and that that game became a farce in the second half. I enjoyed the first half, but the second half, two stop start, it got ridiculous. Oh, look, and I must say, look, it was a, it was a very brutal game. I mean, few games this season have reached that level of brutality, which was in the game on the weekend, and both teams both teams went for it. You know. And there was seven players sin bin or sin bin on Saturday or Sunday, whatever they called it. I mean, it was it was sin bin Sunday. Sin bin Sunday. You know, it was it was the the intensity. I, I I just loved it. You know, I think the Roosters started really well. They were in the game for the first. You know, well, they're probably in the game until James Tedesco you know got hit and then he, then he had to leave the field, and they sort of struggled after that. I thought young young Sammy Walker. I thought he missed. A couple of opportunities there, kicking some goals, which would have put them probably 12 all at half time, rather than being behind by four, because they were pretty easy kicks, and they just seemed to be just that little bit far behind. They just weren't quite in the game uh, with the Roosters. But I tell you what, some of those tackles that oh. we saw on the weekend were absolutely just you know, bell ringers, bell ringers, and and, and for, for the beauty, of, I love the game. I love the fact that you know, apart from the hits, um, young young. Um, Walker was, had, had four try assists. Uh, then Cody Walker, four try assists. Um, Alex Johnson, for the second year in a row, scored 30 tries. Incredible. That's right. just incredible, you know. In, in the modern game, that's just incredible. You know, we saw, uh, was it uh, Takeaho? Uh, Takeo mm. played the ball sideways. He had such a bell ringer. He didn't know which was left or right or north or who, south. Who did that in origin? Was that Martin Bella? Did Martin Bella play the ball backwards? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> he played it to New South Wales. Um, yeah, that's I, I reckon he would have stayed on the field back then. They would have said, oh, you're right, Marty, keep going. <laughs> yes, that's exactly old, right. Old, old Eddie Munster. Old Eddie Munster. We didn't want him on our side anyway. They could have him. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, there were some bell ringers there right across the park. It was such a great game. Um, you know, Burgess, oh, where, what a, what, how big a man is young Thomas Burgess? Oh, he's a monster. And uh... His battle, he got smashed the first couple of times he ran the ball. The Roosters were after him, but then he hit back oh. illegally. Yeah. I don't know how he didn't get sent off for Sinbin for that Tedesco shot. Yes. And then he got um, Matt Lodge. Then he went for 10 minutes for that. And then Warrior Hargreaves got hold of him and head-slammed him, which absolutely deserved 10 in the oh. bin. And he's got three weeks for that. Yeah, and, you know, Warrior Hargreaves, he gave, Ke- he gave Cameron, uh, Cameron uh, Murray... Murray uh, a head slam earlier, so he's done two head slams in the one game, and and got away with the first one. You know, Cam Murray's got head problems in the first place, so to get in the second one, like you know, I really, you know, he's old school. I know he's old school. And what about the look that he gave Cam Murray when he was a marker? Love it was it. like a big sumo wrestler. Yeah. He said, "Don't you dare go down." <laughs> If you go down, I'm in trouble. You know, he knew, he knew he was in trouble. I thought um, it was a bit of a reality check too for uh, Joseph Suolali. Suolali. Yes, it was. Yes. Suolali. I'll get it right. Suolali. Uh, he, that was the most tough game, toughest game he would have ever played. And I just thought uh, he got shoved back to fullback when Tedesco went off. That's when they lost their way, the Roosters, yeah. when Tedesco went off. Even though Souths were down to 11 players at one stage. Mm. Because Tedesco was off, the Roosters just couldn't capitalise mm. on their numerical advantage. But I thought Suolihi, uh, there was a couple of times he should have passed and he went himself, so he's got a few things to learn. Mm. Yeah, they talk about him replacing James Tedesco. Well, on his performance on the weekend, he's not within a, a hi- hiatus chances of, of replacing Tedesco. A hyena? Hi- <laughs> 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 Whatever the word is, uh, not a chance in hell of him replacing Tedesco at fullback. He got found out, and 
What they missed was, yeah, Tedesco is good for that 250, 230 metres per game, yeah. which is what he does week in and week out. They didn't have that. You know, Suwali was, was um, he got caught out. He didn't have the impact. He didn't know where to run. He ran, ran into blokes rather than passing. Um, he was really ineffective at fullback. The, the bloke they really missed was Joey Manu. If yeah. Joey Manu had been there, I think the Roosters may have been a chance to have, to have won the game. Absolutely. Because he's such a fantastic broken field runner. It has an impact. So they missed between those two. But after Tedesco went off after 20 minutes, it was always going to be tough tough for the Roosters. Well, we said this last week. We thought with Manu out and South had some big ins coming in, that they're a big chance. And as soon as Tedesco joined him on the sideline, as soon as you heard that Tedesco wasn't coming back from his HIA, mm. yeah, it was always going to be the bunnies. What's mm. the secret to teams scoring tries down to 12 and 11 men? Because we saw it over the weekend. More teams score tries with less players. It, it's astonishing. And what's the secret? I don't, I don't know how, how they did. But they did complete very well, South Sydney. I think in the first 20 minutes, they got 10 from 10. So that was probably a factor. They just had to have to complete your sets of six. Um, you, you know, you've got the numerically you're behind by two. So I don't know how they, they did it. Um, uh, teams maybe just clock off, you know, but really they shouldn't. They have no right to score, but they did. They scored a couple of times there and, and um, it was in critical for their victory in the end. Well, Parramatta and Penrith, um, Penrith went down to 10 men, sorry, 12 men when, like I mentioned, Taylor May was sent off for 10 minutes. And I just thought the Eels almost made a decision, oh, let's not panic, let's not just throw the ball around. And they actually played too conservative. Whereas I think when you do have the, the advantage in numbers, you should use the ball. Mm. You should try and wear them out. Yeah. But Parramatta and other teams, I think, over the weekend thought, oh, well, let's just play sensible. Mm. And it cost them in the end. Mm. Uh, now, if you can hear it in my voice, I am getting nervous, Jimmy, because uh, it's the week two curse for my eels. Oh. We haven't got past we, we haven't got past week two since 2009. We've lost on the last three occasions in the semifinals, uh, four of the last five years. So the last, yeah, since 2019, we've been there four times. Wow. We've got a spoon at 18. Mm. Um, so this is where we, we crash out. And we're up against the Raiders team, which won five in a row. We're coming off a pretty disappointing loss to the Panthers. We're in that game until about the 50-minute mark, and we went down 27 points to eight. So mm. it's, um, it's a tough one for the, for the Eels mm. at Compact Stadium. What are your initial thoughts? Uh, I'd be nervous if I was a Parramatta fan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'd be nervous. I mean, the fact that the Raiders... They've stung, what, uh, five or six wins together now. Mm. Um, they're right across the... And there's nothing like winning coming into into semi-final football. I mean, back in back in 88, we had to I think we had to win four in a row, Balmain, five in a row, to make, then a playoff to make the semis. We ended up winning, I think, 10, uh, 10 out of 11 or 9 out of 10 to get to the grand final. But when you won your last four, it gives you confidence. And when you lost your last... A uh, couple that Parramatta have it, it, it takes away your confidence. So we lost one, mate. We lost one. <laughs> you lost one. We lost one to Penrith. Uh, okay. All right, but, but yeah, let's go back to '88. So when you came up against a team that had lost a semi-final, like Manly, uh, Canberra, I think Cronulla as well, um, did you did you sense that you guys had the momentum and the confidence, and maybe they were a little bit shaken from losing the week before? Yeah. Because that's what Parramatta Definitely. is going to face against the Raiders on Friday night. Yeah, they have to they have to regroup Parramatta and. And just put it behind them and move on as quickly as possible. You know they've got they know they've got the form to win. They've shown it throughout the year. You know they've, they've beaten the Panthers a couple of times. They've beaten the Storm a couple of times. If they put their best foot forward, then there's every chance that they can they can beat them. Um, you know it's a huge advantage too. Obviously they're playing up here at uh, Combank Stadium, and and the Raiders have to travel. So 
really, they, they should they should be confident. Yeah, obviously the fitness of Mitchell Moses and Dylan. Look, guys like Dylan Brown, guys like Gutho, they have to step up. They can't they can't be paid spectators and watch the game. They have to have an input in the game. Particularly Gutho, I thought he was very disappointing last week at fullback. Yeah, forty odd metres. It's terrible. Dylan Brown, you know, he was he was very ordinary too. You know, once they lost Moses, they were, they were struggling. They need that creativity around the ruck and those big games. Big players have to step up. You just can't be. Yeah, it's like go through the motions for 20 weeks. This is where it really matters. And you expect your experienced guys to to have an impact on the game. They can't watch it again. Otherwise, what are you paying them for? Yeah, Gutho is very quiet, and so is Dylan Brown, two of the starts of the year. So I imagine they will bounce back in this match against the Raiders. As I mentioned, uh, Parrott bombed out in week two um, four times in the last five years. But I think if you look back, this is their best chance to go through to week three. In 2017, they lost to the Cowboys. The Cowboys had just won, well, just been in the grand, just won a premiership. And in 2017, they went on to make the grand final. Parramatta were finals rookies, so I'm not going to count that year. 2019, they lost to the Storm. They were eliminated in Melbourne, 32 mm-hmm. 0. Man, we're talking about a pretty good Storm team. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. there's no disgrace there. Uh, 2020, they went out against Souths at Combank Stadium. Now, that was when Michael Jennings, on the day of the game, was rubbed yeah. out with a drugs ban. Mm. Plus, they lost both wingers, Ferguson and Sivo, mm. uh, to injury that week. So, they were mm. they were in all sorts. Mm. And then last year, they went down to Penrith. They were eliminated, eliminated by the Panthers, mm. who were pretty lucky to win that one. So, I think this week, two curse everyone talks about. I think they've been a bit unlucky. I think this is their best chance. This is their best chance to, to beat the Raiders and get through yeah. and play the Cowboys in Townsville. Yeah. Or am I just being optimistic? No, I think you're 100% correct there, Horsey. Not very many times I agree with you because you do talk a bit of jibber. <laughs> uh, but on this occasion, I think you're 100% correct. They've got a great they've got a great opportunity to get through to the grand final if they can all believe it and they can all buy in and they can all put their best foot forward. They are a real chance, Parramatta, to, to make the grand final. Um, they have to... You know, that, what's happened in the past is the past. They will never, like, so when you play footy, sometimes all the stars align, and this is the year when I really think it's quite open. Anyone could win, you know, win Penrith, the Penrith's ahead, though. Yeah, Penrith's ahead, but, you know, on the day, you don't have anything possible on the day. So, but to get there, if you get there, you know, you're 50 50. So to get there is a great achievement. So I think there's, they'll never have a better opportunity than, than this year. Since '86 to make a grand final, um, so yeah, I, I hope they. I hope they can. As a guy who used to stand under the high balls quite a bit, what's your advice to Wunga Blake uh, against the Raiders? Because he's going to cop a barrage after what Nathan Cleary did to him on Friday night. Uh, for those who didn't see it, Wunga dropped three. Two of them led directly to tries. Uh, he just looked clueless under the high ball. Admittedly, I mean those floating bombs from Cleary—they are tough to take. And and the Eels' defence has to. Uh, be responsible as, just as much as Wunga Blake because they didn't put any pressure on Nathan Cleary. He had a mile of time to get those kicks away and he, he just, if you give him any time to put up a high ball, it's it's going to be a disastrous result for your team. Yeah, well, he has to just get some, you know, obviously practice during the week to make sure that he can uh, get, get yeah, Dylan Brown or, or, or Moses to put some bombs up to him. You know, he's just got to watch, I was watching, you've just got to watch the ball all the way through into your hands you know, you can't sort of take your eye off with that last foot. That's when normally when you lose the ball, that last foot from your from your eyesight down to your arms. He has to watch it all the way through to his hands and then tie up the ball. Um, Would you say get an early catch against the Raiders? Put your oh, hand up to take the first one? Definitely take, take have an early catch. And also he'll need some blokes 
doesn't mean they have to run blokes off their lines, but blokes in front of him just to help him. Maybe one in front, one behind. If he does drop it, goes backwards, they can pick it up and they can carry on. You know, um, and and don't have confusion when the ball's in the air. You say it's either mine or it's yours. Or you don't say yours when you're about to catch it. <laughs> you, you know, you've got to make sure that um, that you're confident. And I think, and another tip would be, you, d- you don't have to leave the ground. You can still catch the ball by standing with both your feet on the ground. Because as soon as you take your feet off the ground, there's an exponential chance that you're going to drop it because you're airborne. So he's a much better chance of catching it if he stays with both his feet planted on the ground. Would you let it bounce? No, I would not let it bounce. That, that, I've seen fullbacks do that in the last this this year. I think it's the worst thing that any fullback can do is let it bounce. Certainly catch it, catch it, got to catch it in the full, but you can still catch it you know, above your head because I think he's very good with his hands above his head. He's got good hands, um, but make sure that uh, maybe puts his knee up to protect himself or keep, keep both feet on the ground. Well, the good news for Wanderers, I don't think the Raiders have anyone like Cleary. Jack Whiten uh, can put a high ball up, maybe Jamal Fogarty, but... I don't think they're in Cleary's class, so hopefully for Wonga's no, sake, it's uh, not Jack, as Jack White's the one, yeah. Jack White's one. What about uh, your mate Ricky Stewart saying straight after they beat Melbourne, 28-20, fifth straight win in Melbourne against the Storm, quite remarkable. He said, oh, well, no one's going to give us a chance. No one's going to think we can beat Parramatta. We'll go up there, just have a bit of fun. But, yeah, no one's going to think we can win. <laughs> no one's falling for that. I, I think it's going to be a 50-50 game, this one, and I think plenty of people think the Raiders can win. Yeah, yeah. That's just Ricky Mind Games. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, a good mate of mine, Ricky. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a chat to him, yeah. Um, yeah I, you played together, didn't you? No. Origin? Never played Origin together. No, right, no. so just, you were just, just rivals. Yeah. Just rivals, yeah, played against him. But never never together. Good sledger. Yeah, very good sledger, yes. He, he backs himself, <laughs> that's for sure. And he's backed himself as a coach too. Look, it's it's okay when you're when you're on top, you know, and, and they've turned it around. In the, in the last couple of years, they've sort of faded in the semi-finals, but this year they're coming into the semi-finals with a wet sail. They've got good form. So, yeah, he's entitled to be cocky, um, but but I think Parramatta can get them. I think they're a definite... I don't think their fullback is a, is a great catcher, to be honest with you. Uh, you know, Xavier, Xavier Savage, no. I think he's very suspect under a high ball. Uh, Jamal Fogarty has been a great buy. If you look at him, what he's done for them this year, not only his goal-kicking... Has been it's turned them around, but you know he's a very you know, safe, safe and creative halfback. You know they're going to stick to their forward. It's going to be a great battle in the forwards. You know um, Tarpany and and Papalihi. Um, you know you'd like to think that Reed Marnie's going to have an impact at, at hooker, uh, getting out of there against uh, young Zach Wolford. Uh, the forwards are going. To, it's going. To be, Whitehead's in very good form and Hudson Young. So it's going to be a great battle up front. But you know the guys from Parramatta that need to stand up is Campbell Gillard, Junior Paulo, uh, and. And those two have got to lay the platform. Um, I do think that uh, Lane's going to be out there on that left-hand side. And Papa Leahy, I think oh, I like Papa Leahy. I never let you down. But, um, yeah. The Eels, uh, they don't play well in greasy conditions. I don't, that sounds weird for an eel. They love the slippery stuff. But I think they prefer dry conditions. And I think the forecast for this game is... Yeah, sunny and 23. Obviously, it's a night game, but it'll be pretty dry, you'd think, if it's sunny and 23 through the day. So that should shoot, uh, suit Parramatta. They beat the Raiders on a sunny Sunday afternoon earlier this season, a really entertaining game, 28-20. So I- I'm feeling good about their chances, as long as Mitchell Moses uh, recovers from that that head knock. And they all say the same thing, Jimmy, so it's hard to get a read. They all say, oh, yeah, I remember the incident. I remember everything about the game. Mm. I haven't had any headaches. I mean, Cameron Murray said the same thing. And he was allowed to play, and he came out and had a great game against yeah. the Roosters. So 
I'm hoping they let Mitchell Moses play and he can uh, get the Eels through to week three. Yeah, Mitchell Moses is critical, but I, I think equally as critical is the form of, of, of Marcus Sivo. He, he has been quiet. He's been quiet for a few weeks now. They need his impact off the wing. Uh, is Marcus Sivo and also Gutho. You know, Gutho really has to stand yep. up. Yep. He, he, as the captain, he has to stand up and lead by example this weekend. I've got to say, I was at um, Panther Stadium, and or Bluebet Stadium as it's called now, and when Parramatta were up 8-7 in the second half, I thought, this is it. We, we're going through to week three. I just let myself dream, and I had to stop myself. I said, <laughs> I said don't do dream that. Yeah, and then sure enough, it all fell apart. Now, uh, it is time for... Jimmy's code word of the week. 10% off your next order at George's Fine Meats, Cherry Brook. And what have you got for us uh, this week, Jimmy? Oh, it's um, Latrell. It's Latrell. And I thought he was fantastic on the week big weekend. And what about the, the tackle he pulled out on Tupu? Like, Tupu was in the clear. He was going to score in the corner. And Latrell cut him down with a great siding tackle. Like, oh, just a, a copybook. Which, um, which was a critical tackle at that, at that stage of the game. So Latrell Mitchell is the code word for the week. Well, while we're talking about Latrell, let's do Horsey's heart back because I noticed Latrell came up with a very unusual play in the first minute of that elimination final against the Roosters where he received a kick from the Chooks and then he kicked it straight back. Yeah. It was like going back to, uh, well, the, the, the 70s and 80s of kicking duels. I think it died out. In the 80s, the last kicking duel I reckon I saw was Matthew Ridge playing for Manly in the late 80s. I, just... I think early 90s, I think. I think it was yeah. more early 90s. Yeah, early yeah. 90s, yeah. yeah he, that's when he went there. He wasn't there in 89, so it would have been early 90s. All right, so what, um, what do you think of the possibility of the kicking duel coming back, and what are the benefits of the kicking duel? Well, you've got to put a good bit of slipper on it when you kick it. Like, it's okay if you're a Greg Brentnell and you can kick it 70 metres. If you're only going to kick it 40 metres, you're only going to turn over possession. So that's key. You've got to have a long kick on you. Latrell's kick wasn't that flash. No, it wasn't that flash. No, no. I don't think he's been in one before. But look, I think it's, I think it's great. I enjoy it. I enjoy the kick and duels. Um, Teddy, when Teddy got the ball, he, he didn't kick it back. He just ran it straight. He ran it straight back, and then one set of six, they're on the try line. You were thinking, how good's this? Thanks, Latrell. Yeah, just give me another set of six. But yeah, well, I think it's I think it's great. I think there really is is a you can you know, set up to give a nice high ball, and people can come from behind you. They can run on side and put fullbacks under pressure. Of course, you got to think, a guy like Mitchell Moses, he's the one that could really if you put him back to fullback for a kick and duel. He can kick you off the park because he's got a massive boot on him. So maybe him and Gutho could swap around at some stage and, and, and do a kicking duel with Mitchell Moses back there at fullback. You're advocating the return of the kicking duel. I'm Come on. Yeah, what about, um, I wish someone asked Latrell why he did it. No one actually asked him. But anyway, what did you, you weren't known for your kicking game though. Did you, did you take yeah, on any yeah. kicking duels? Yeah. You're a runner. You're a runner and a, a tackler. No, I had several kicking duels. I had one kicking duel there at, at at Leichhardt over one day with Alan McMahon, he drove me back, he drove me back to my try line, and I, as far as I was about forty, and he was putting about forty up in the air before it come back, come down to me, and all the blokes would run on side and get it. Um, yeah, we had Colin Scott, we had a kicking duel there many times at, in Origin, I'd maybe say two or three times, where where New South Wales would kick it deep and we drive them back, and yeah, yeah, it's a good. Remember point. and remember if if the, when the fullback caught it, they usually stood there. And the defence couldn't advance yeah. on him because they were in front of the kicker. Yeah. So you'd actually have the fullback just standing there, both fullbacks, and the game would just come to a standstill. Everyone would, everyone would stand in the middle and watch what's going to go on. Um, sometimes I think Wally there or whatever, he said, oh, stuff it. And he just ran in and just freaking tackled me. It was a, it was a penalty. <laughs> he said, oh, I'm not going to stand. Because sometimes you can have it. Sometimes it, I think it may have went for four or five kicks each. So when you, therefore the game has stopped for probably two minutes. Yeah. Going, 
and in the mud at the SCG. So um, sometimes players just go, oh, look, forget about it. They just go and tap It's a penalty. But I think it's a lot of fun, and I think it's... Um, but if you have got a strong kicking game, it can it can be a great weapon for you. Jimmy, it sounds too much like rugby union, so no more kicking duels, please, Latrell. Uh, now, I reckon Todd Payton should be coach of the year. This should be locked in after they've gone through the preliminary final. They are now red-hot favourites to go into the, the grand final. That's amazing for a team that finished wow. 14th last year yeah. and we're given no hope, especially from us two here on the fend, of making the finals this year. You, but you had him in the cellar too. No, I, I'm sure I had him in the top eight. I'm sure I had him in the top I'll eight. dig it up. I'll dig it up yeah. and I'll, I'll get our top eight findings. But <laughs> I'm pretty sure uh, you were with me. And he's just done an amazing job. And that was a phenomenal game. And it's a oh. shame... Everyone's been talking about Rabbitohs Roosters because that Sharks Cowboys game was just absolute top shelf. Thirty all at full time after um, a game that featured plenty of big hits, but also some spectacular tries. And Taumalolo scored right on full time for thirty all. Ten minutes of extra time, and then Golden Point Val Holmes, the former Shark, sinks his former team with an absolute cracking forty-five metre field goal. Yeah, yeah. Cronulla led there at the back end of the game by twelve minutes, by twelve points, sorry, with not long to go. And you thought they had the game won. And, uh, you know, it was uh, – Nico Hines is in great form. Val Holmes was in, in great form. I mean, and they are – look, North Queensland are an excellent team. Um, I thought gave them no hope to come back, and they came back to 30-all. That shows the spirit there, and that he's got in the side is Todd Payton. You know, they were seven seven wins last year and 17 losses. This year they've turned – they've flipped it. There's 17 wins and seven losses for, for this year's season game, 20. Right. So this is, it's an amazing coaching job. Ruben Cotter's been fantastic. Yeah. Val Holmes has been – Townsend's been fantastic. They've just – across the park – A buyer of the year. We did buyers of the year. Was it last week? Uh, we left Peter Hicku off, and I think he's yeah. been sensational for he the has. Cowboys, and he, he's made a massive difference, and he scored a, a brilliant try for the Cowboys – and the pass from Taumalolo, it was like a 30-metre pass yeah. from Taumalolo, which mm. you would never see a forward of his size pull off in any era. That was Wally Lewis at his best. You know, to yeah. throw, to just got it, just flicked it 30 metres. Hit him on the chest. Hit him on the chest, right on the chest. And that was that. And I think what Todd Payton has done, I say, I've said before about a coach, you've got to get the best out of your players. He's got the best out of Taumalolo. Everyone's talked about how good he is, and no doubt he's a great impact player, but he is really believing in himself and playing to his best footy, his career best footy this year. That's a huge plus for them. Val Holmes has been in fantastic. And what about that field goal? 45 metres, it was a two-pointer. He kicked it 55 metres in extra time. Just unbelievable what he did. What a great, what a great player. He's played what? Wing, centre, fullback. Val Holmes, a tremendous player. Maybe the Sharks should have taken the game away from uh, Pointsbet Stadium, huh? Played at Allianz, <laughs> had a bigger crowd, huh? What do you think? Did it backfire? Well, yeah, I suppose you would say yes, it, it did backfire, but it was a classic game and, it was, yeah, and, and they, it was. they just never gave up North Queensland and, and, and I felt, I felt they would have been gutted. I mean, Cronulla would have been absolutely gutted at full time. Um, to lose to lose the way they did from an ex an ex Sharky kicking kick yeah. the goal. You know the thing I found curious was the extra time period because we've had Golden Point for so long now, but in finals it's been re- restored that you will have ten minutes of extra time, which is what happened when you played. You'd mm. have you'd have the ten minutes mm. extra time. It might have been mid twenty minutes back then. I'm not sure, but um, uh, they didn't seem to know how to play both the Sharks and Cowboys. They it's they weren't sure whether we should go for a field goal or do we do we sort of build pressure and try and get a try or a repeat set. They didn't quite sort of know how to play. It wasn't mm. until Golden Point kicked into gear that they thought, okay, we know what to do here, and then mm. they set themselves up and Val Holmes kicked the field goal. Strange, but you guys 
you, you played, obviously, 1989, you played uh, extra time, extra you know time. all about yeah, it. Was yeah. ten, it was 10 minutes each way. So, yeah, you just can't afford to make mistakes. It's not that critical if, if they do kick a field goal. Well, in 89, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Sullivan kicked, kicked the field goal from a scrum, you know, uh, it put him one ahead. But that was never going to be the, the outcome of the game. We could always score a try to, to, to uh, go ahead of them but at would, some would, stage. But that would get you guys nervous. Suddenly you look at the scoreboard and Canberra's up 15-14. Yeah. You were sort of there'd be a bit of panic setting. No, nah, wouldn't, wouldn't bother. Wouldn't bother you. You know, there's still time on the still time on the clock. You know, still it, it was ten minutes each way uh, back in those days, so there was still t- plenty of time in the game. But um, yeah, it's it, it is a different style of footy with five minutes. But you've just got to complete your set. And sometimes you've just got to play without fear and just throw it. You just got to you know forget about making mistakes. Just play to your best footy, and that way you know you can hopefully win. When you start being conservative. I think that goes against you a lot of the time. Okay, so who's going to find it harder to back up? Is it going to be the Rabbitohs who played that bruising encounter, that physically and, and mentally draining encounter with the Roosters, or will it be the Sharks who had to play 93 minutes against the Cowboys in that absorbing tussle at Shark Park? Mm. Who's, going to, who's going to find it harder to back up, or, is, yeah. or will they be fine? I think, it'll, I think it'll be the Sharks. I think the Sharks are going to find it. I think it will be, yeah. But look, they're great. They've both got great packs across the park. Um, I, I do think that, that they'll be, you know, they'll be, they'll be gutted. And I think, I think the Rabbitohs will, will get a lot out of last week um, with that great performance. They know what they can do under pressure. So I think it's going to be the shark. Uh, it's going to be the, yeah, the sharks that are going to maybe uh, they might struggle. Yeah. Okay. All right. Now two teams are gone. Of course, the Roosters who finished in sixth place, and the Storm, who finished in fifth place. What do we make of their seasons? I certainly had the Roosters as a potential premiership winner this year. I thought they did exceptionally well with a lot of injuries last year. Um, they got it together late this year. They won eight in a row up till last week, but they're gone. So you'd have to say it's uh, below past season. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure with the form they showed the last last few weeks, winning eight in a row, as you said, they would expect to have gone further than getting bundled by South. Um, so I think they will be disappointed with their season. Um, and, and as for the Storm, well, I think the Storm, I think it's a changing of a guard there. Uh, certainly it's a changing of an era for Craig Bellamy there at, at Storm. And um, I don't, I think that they may have a couple of years just to re- depends who they keep, but certainly they're not the team they were last year and the year before in 2022. Because we sat here last week and we thought they'd beat the Raiders because yeah. the Raiders, there, there could be no ambush. The Raiders have won the last four at Aby Park. But they couldn't match them. No. They couldn't. Ma- they looked a bit old. They looked a bit slow mm. in comparison to uh, the Raiders, especially in, in the forwards. So I think we're finally going to see the Storm struggle. We've been saying for years, oh, they can't cope without Slater. Mm. They can't cope without Inglis, Smith, Cronk. But they just keep coming back. But mm. this time, they're losing, what, four of their pack? The mm. Bromwich brothers, mm. Kafusi and Brandon and Smith. Brandon Smith, yeah. That's a massive hole to fill. Yeah. Um, and Craig Bellamy has said next year's his last year. So if I'm a Storm fan, I'm starting to feel a bit nervous about what lay ahead. Yeah, and also that they brought in players, you know, from other clubs, you know, North Faluma, other guys that probably weren't in their system, um, but they had a great pack for such, such that, that long, long period of time. And they had Cameron Smith who was leading them, and, and now really the effect, the knock-on effect of Cameron Smith has really hit them. And you know, Brandon Smith uh, is not a Cameron Smith. Um, and they, he controlled the game, did Cameron Smith. So I really think that that affect. You know, it's been a couple of years since he retired. Yeah, in the big, the big pressure yeah, games. I agree. That, that's where they miss him. Exactly, and I think that game is a classic example. If Cameron Smith was, yeah. in, it's, I know it's easy to say, but we saw Cameron Smith in those moments. 
in the big games, like you say, he would he would own them and he would get them home when they're up twenty to sixteen yeah. or or down twenty to sixteen. He would just you just knew he'd get them home somehow, just yeah. with his his gamesmanship and controlling a match. You just knew how to yeah. how to do it, and that they missed that. Yeah, and yeah, all, yeah. Credit to to Munster. He he's the next. Cameron Smith and the team, he didn't have the same impact that, that Smith had on the weekend. You know, he missed a couple of kicks. You know, he, 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 they missed his mm. his input uh, because he didn't get his hands on the ball as much. And yeah. and, and that's what experience does. It gives the team players that can control the game. And uh, Cameron Smith uh, with, with, with Munster there, it wasn't there. All right, uh, Fend at the end time. And like I said, I was at Bluebird Stadium for the Panthers-Eels match and uh, my ears are still ringing. Overzealous ground announcers and DJs. I just think, we don't... I know I sound like a dinosaur, but I just don't think we need blasts of music at every break in play. It's just... It's too much. You, you would see something happen and you go to talk to, in my case, my son and say, what about that? And you, you couldn't... You couldn't hear what he said because yeah. you just get smashed with the speakers behind you yeah. playing some sort of rap or, or whatever. And mm. I just thought it was a bit much. Just let let the fans talk. Let the fans cheer without, you know, blasting them with music. Yeah, it's very, it's very Americanised or very commercial, like the basketball. I, I noticed when I was at the, the Combank last week when... Oh, two weeks ago when St. George of Laura played the Tigers and every time there was a break, the music, the music would oh, boom, boom in the background. I'm going, we don't need it. You to watch the footy. I don't need this bloody music carrying on. I think you're right there. We, we need less yeah. of it, less of it. I think, I think at Combank, certainly for Parramatta games, they play a bit of music, a bit of Neil Diamond yeah. or a bit of Elvis Presley if it's after a Clint Gutherson try, after a try-scoring moments. But during the, during the running of play, I don't think they play music. But at Penrith, I guarantee you, it was... Just non-stop, and you know, some people say it helped help the atmosphere. Uh, it was. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Yeah, I'm with you. Get rid All right. of the flip. Okay, uh, that'll wrap us up uh, for this episode of the Fen. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and make sure you tell your friends to uh, do likewise. Jimmy, uh, great work as always. Yeah, thanks, mate. And, and look, Omar and Dave Ward, they liked our mention last week on the show. So good on you, boys. They listen to us every week, Horsey. Those two guys every week. They listen to the Fen, and I think it's a great show. So all the best, boys. Yeah, good lads, and uh, hopefully the Eels get home. They Eels fans. Oh, tragics. Tragic, yeah. They'll be heartbroken this weekend. No, that won't be happening. The uh, blue and golds will march on, and uh, so will we. We'll be back again next week. Uh, catch you then. See you then. All the best. Bye.